I've spent my entire life literally obsessed with the pursuit of excellence. Now, after decades of deep study and self-exploration into a wide array of rigorous training systems, nutrition methods, and mindset practices, I'm here to share my experiences as well as learn from others who also strive to reach the pinnacle of their pursuits. I'm Coach Jeremy Whitmore, and this is the Apex Approach. So welcome back to the Apex Approach. This is episode six, White Belt Mentality. So the year is 2001. I'm in the fall semester at the University of Kentucky. Go Cats. And I'm majoring in biology on a, on a pre-med track. And after a successful high school wrestling career, um, I found myself at uh, UK on an academic scholarship. And I was continuing both with my education as well as my maniacal approach to working out. Like in just over a year since graduating high school, I'd put on about 35 pounds of muscle, a feat accomplished both by you know, first, essentially living in the weight room, and second, I ended a seven-year practice of starvation and body deprivation due to the culture of extreme weight cutting, which was it's just a way of life for most wrestlers in my generation. Beyond the aesthetic improvements that I had achieved, I became pretty strong too, both on and off the mat. You know, I raised my bench press to like 335, around a body weight of 150. I was deadlifting well over 400 for reps. And at any given notice, I could jump up on a pull-up bar and give you 50 strict ones. The worst part of all this was, well, without wrestling, my thirst for human combat wasn't being fulfilled. And at 20 years old, my body reeked of ego. The good and bad news was that it didn't take too many college party weekends for me to find a satisfactory substitute for wrestling. I became quickly and acutely aware that my default aggressiveness in 15 years of a wrestling experience gave me a massive advantage on those wild Friday nights when, well, let's just say when, when push came to shove. I'm only 5'8", and I'm sure I was completely unassuming when standing in a crowd. So it wasn't hard to find trouble when induced by a little liquid courage. You know, all it takes is an intentional hard bump on the shoulder, you know, knocking from the hand the drink of some loudmouth frat kid, you know, a follow-up smirk, and it was game on. Listen, what I was doing in that time of my life, it wasn't right. I certainly don't condone it. And to be honest, I'm not proud of it. It was immature. And looking back now, 41 years old and father too, um, it's completely dangerous. But this became the new game in my life. You know, why I, I do not regret the terrible mistakes that I've made in my life is that I really do believe that all of them go on to mold us into to what and who we are. You know, I, I will admit that this period and the actions I conducted 
were among the most toxic and dark of my life. It was probably a combination of, you know, growing boredom with these college night scuffles, a rising intrigue from obsessively watching like the early VHS UFC tournaments, and a deeply unfulfilled purpose left void from the end of my wrestling career. You know, I don't know, you know, whatever it was, sometime in the fall of 2001, I made the mental commitment to pursue mixed martial arts, which at that time it was it was way more spectacle than sport. Like especially in like in the smaller, more more regional level events that I would be participating in, you know, there there just weren't like the well defined weight classes, there wasn't doctors exams, there wasn't like the stability of like the sanctioning bodies. You know, this is so like, you know, commonplace and required now. You know, while the game was rapidly evolving in the early 2000s, um, you know, that time it was still very much the wild, wild west. Anyways, I was smart enough to realize from watching those first few UFC tournaments that a strange martial art by the name of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu seemed pretty damn effective and scary. A young Brazilian by the name of Hoist Gracie was making short work of absolute monsters, many of them wrestlers, so it seemed like a pretty good idea to try and see what BJJ was all about. As I was both curious and doubtful in regards to this fighting approach, I was beyond lucky to find out that there was actually a new BJJ club at the University of Kentucky, which basically ended up being just two other guys and my friend Drew that I dragged along to join. Uh, it was led by like like some nerd looking dude wearing like a like white ninja pajamas and a blue belt. With my shirt off, wrestling shorts done high and tight, and arrogance in full swing, I remember shaking hands with the instructor before my first live sparring session and thinking, this shit's not going to work on me. To my immediate pleasure, I straight up ragdolled old boy for what seemed like the easiest takedown I'd scored in years. This was followed immediately by me getting put out cold in what was nearly the instant that we hit the ground. He hadn't really gone over tapping out yet with me at that point, but, you know, to be honest, I don't know if my ego would have even allowed me to tap out anyways. I always learn best the hard way. Still do. So what I now know is a guillotine choke had been beautifully and effectively applied. You know, despite my years of wrestling and grit, you know, and impressive weightlifting numbers, I could not save myself from the perfection of the technique. I still remember how, like, physically and emotionally awkward it felt to have a grown-ass man lying flat on his back with his sweaty legs wrapped around my head and having to submit to this ridiculous position time and time again. What was, like, like most profound, however, was the fact that I knew that I had every single physical advantage over that skinny, weak calculus dork. 
and yet it didn't matter. I was simply helpless once I took him down, which I did repeatedly and with ease, and he repeatedly and with ease made me smack that mat in submission to his skill. You know, I remember sitting in my dorm room, like I, I couldn't eat solid food for like days. Um, my neck was covered in mat burns, and I'm thinking, if he's a blue belt, what in the hell would a black belt do to me? You know, is at that point like the foundation of my fight philosophy, and honestly, the confidence that I had in myself was shattered that day. You know, the internet was still, you know, basically in its, in its infancy compared to you know, what we see now. And I don't think YouTube was even a thought yet. So I had two choices at that time in my life. You know, I could quit and run far away from the terrifying feeling of being like so out of control. Or I could submit my ego to the effectiveness of that art. And I could show up to class the next day and try to figure it out. You know what? I'm glad I drug my ass back in there with my tail between my legs and I got to work. So, you know, most all martial arts use a belt system. So, you know, you start as this blank canvas, you're defenseless, you know nothing. You're a white belt. You know, as you advance and your knowledge and your effectiveness gets deeper, okay, your belt gets darker and darker. You know, ending in a black belt for fo- for a chosen few. You know, please understand that as a white belt, you have to walk into some gym or dojo and recognize that basically everyone everyone in there can kick your ass. Okay, the instructor is basically like when a and like a demigod level. Now, he's the source of the power. And you better believe that as a white belt, you hold on to whatever they tell you with reverence. But really, I, like, I wanted to tell you the story of how I found BJJ as I still can like so clearly remember like my mindset in those early days. And I believe that there's a powerful lesson in them that I actually have used a lot in different areas of my life to achieve success. So here it is. Okay. When you are a white belt, everyone can probably understand and appreciate that you follow the advice of the black belt structure. You're like, you're like, no shit. Okay, I get it. But here, more than that, in actuality, listen, you listen to everyone in there. Brown belts, purple belts, blue belts, even other white belts who had been there longer, dude, it didn't matter to me at that stage of my life. They were all higher up the mountain. And I just remember being so genuinely grateful for any knowledge, like nugget, tip, or trick that like anyone would give me. You know, I was like a super sponge as a white belt. And I obsessively pursued information from anybody that I could get it from. You know, for me, you know, it just seemed like a very simple approach to make my way towards the apex. And let me tell you, like this humble approach to learning, you know, just devoid of ego, you know, I'm not just waiting for my turn to speak. Nah, like 
only like a pure, authentic openness and willingness to learn from everyone around you is something that we're going to call the white belt mentality. And for it to really work, you have to free yourself from like your own preconceived notions or previous set ideas. And like you have to free yourself from like what you want to be the correct answer. And you just need to be totally open. If you can do this, the white belt mentality can be an incredibly powerful tool for learning and advancement. Okay, let me tell you a story how this wraps up or this comes into play. Like, so uh, one of my old college buddies, my friend Kevin, um, wild man, okay, he told me a story from his army basic training about like the weapons instruction uh, portion of the course. And he was saying that their firearms instructor, instructor told them that before the training even started, that only a few of them would achieve what he called eagle eyes, which I think was like his term for like the top marksmanship status. And that the instructor said, listen, it's probably, it's only going to be several of you at most, and it's probably going to be like one of the women or one of the guys that have never shot before who would actually be able to like achieve this honor and ability. And I'm like, what? wait, let's think about this. Why in the hell would those with the least experience be predicted to be the best shooters at the end of the training course? Think about that. Why, you ask? Well, it's because all those other shooters who, like, listen, assumingly were not trained by professionals, they, listen, they are not only bringing in bad habits to the table, but more importantly, they're bringing in a poor mindset to the table. Deep down, they, they probably felt like they already like, knew how to do it. So why fully listen to the instructor? And you know what? Kevin said, sure enough, the best shooter in his class was a female who had never shot a day in her life. White belt mentality in full effect, baby. Now, okay, there is a dichotomy to all things. Okay, this approach can be a slippery one that you really do need to learn to manage. Okay, on one extreme, all right, so maybe you're the new quote-unquote white belt. All right, so maybe you're the, you're the new girl on the job or, I don't know, you're, you're a novice in any position in any field or area of discussion, okay, well, if you're, if you're that person, you're, you're the newbie, all right, well, you should obviously intently listen to all those above and around you who are demonstrating success in their respective area, okay? However, like, as you do become more of an expert in your field, you, you, like, you're going to be able to apply with greater judgment and scrutiny and to what knowledge actually makes sense for you or not. You know, you can't just like go on and on blindly listening to anyone spewing information and take it for scripture. So I, I got, this is where I really think like experience and the ability to quickly think, you know, as well as the willing, as like the willingness to experiment, it really become imperative to make the white belt mentality work. Okay, like the other extreme, you know, comes when you're now actually in the role of authority. All right, let's use myself an example. 
Okay, even though I'm now a, a black belt in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or I have several decades of wrestling experience under my belt, or you know, in my professional life, you know, I've been a, a doctor of physical therapy now practicing for 15 years. Okay, even though I have all like all that experience and authority, okay, I must still be open to new or different information, even if it doesn't come from somebody on my level. Okay, the man that can no longer learn and evolve is a dead one. This is where like ego really can stifle growth. You know, is always entering into like any learning experience from a place of authority. You know, I, I think it will kill any opportunity for growth right from the start. You know, it doesn't happen often. You know, because you know, just because I've been around some of these areas for for so long, but you know, I've been amazed to discover like fresh perspectives or like in, intriguing options on solving problems, you know, from, from some of my peers or students with far less experience than me. You know, I find, and maybe it's, it's because they haven't yet been like indoctrinated into the conventional approach and drilled the right way to do something. You know, this actually gives them a unique opportunity like a unique opportunity to creatively think outside the box, you know, far easier than those of us, like with vast more experience that have been trained, you know, so conventionally. Yeah, I have to even think back here to like the recent podcast we had with Bo Blackjack Baker, you know, and he has this unique experience where, you know, not having like a, a strict doctrine to follow or, you know, a high school coach that was making them do things a certain way, he was able to go in there and he is a creative, um, guy by default but you know for him to be able to go in there and experiment and to stay open and creative um clearly made Bo and and be able to accomplish some pretty amazing things um so similar to that um so i don't know it's like do not neglect or ignore newcomers i don't care how good or how long you've been doing it i think we all should like carefully examine and meditate on what they're suggesting. You know, is it is it very way like very well may lead you to unlocking like this next level of greatness in your craft. All right, so I'm going to wrap it up. Okay. Recognize that like another like another critical component to like this apex approach is entering each day wearing this white belt mentality. And yes, it is a dichotomy that must be balanced through experience and just a lot of work. Okay, on one hand, okay, you, you got to maintain this openness to learn from everything and everyone. While on the other, okay, you must have like the wisdom and patience to understand what, how, and when to use that information. You know without operating blindly and without discernment. So, like, perhaps it was Albert Einstein who summarized all this best when he said, once you stop learning, you start dying. So, go and be the white belt. Go be different. Go be the apex.